Welcome to Rooftop Perspectives, inspiring Christ followers to join Jesus in his mission in their everyday lives. Welcome to Rooftop Perspectives. My name is Michael Brewer, and this is John Whaley. It's good to see you again this week, John. It's good to see you, Michael. I'm excited about part two. It's going to be great. We told you last week, you don't want to miss this. I, this this is absolutely wonderful. So we're glad you joined us today for Rooftop Perspectives. Our prayer is that God will use Rooftop Perspectives to inspire you as you join Jesus in his mission where you live, work, and play. This week, we wrap up our two-part conversation with an incredible, wonderful Christian lady. Uh she has been joining Jesus in his mission since she was a little girl. And you know that now if you saw this week. If not, go see it. John, reintroduce us to this very special guest. Well, today we just want to reintroduce you, or if this is your first time watching Rooftop Perspective, introducing you to Glenda Cook. Um, Glenda Cook has been a missionary to Taiwan with the Southern Baptist International Mission Board for 40 years. She's an amazing, delightful lady with a passion that is contagious yes. um, for Jesus, for reaching people who don't know Jesus, to, for making disciples who make disciples. She's just an amazing, amazing, amazing lady. Um, I mean, you'll hear even today, if you didn't see last week, again, go back because you're going to hear some amazing stories, but more so just from years of experience, um, just principles that come from wisdom from joining Jesus in his mission, what that looks like. And, and so this is just one of those, um, one of those interviews, Michael, that, you know, you definitely need to, to listen to twice um, yeah. because there's so many nuggets of truth and wisdom, especially in this second half that we're going to show today. Um, she, she, um, man, she just takes us, um, to school in the in a good way. I mean, just yeah. telling us here's here's what it looks like to join Jesus in His mission. Here's what you need to do. Here's here's what it's about. Um, so enjoy part two of our um, our conversation with Glenda Cook. And again, if you have not seen this, if you didn't see part one, before you watch this, go back and watch part one on our YouTube channel, The Rooftop TV, and then come back and watch part two. But enjoy part two with Glenda Cook. Uh, I want to give, you asked me about uh, Taiwan in general. Uh, Taiwan has approximately 24 million people. Wow. Uh, it is approximately 4% Christian. Uh, but if you remove the Catholics and other groups, if you're talking evangelicals, it's going to be between 3 and 4%. Mm -hmm. uh, they are very slow to respond to gospel. Uh, they are very steeped in their tradition and particularly their religious tradition. They will call themselves Buddhists, but it's really a mixture of folk religion. So you have the folk religion, you have the Buddhism, it's all mixed together. And if you ask them specific Buddhist questions, they don't know because they don't study Buddhism. They just yeah. do it. Uh, for the Hakka and Taiwan in general, the biggest uh, barrier or obstacle is ancestor worship. Mm. 
Taiwan, like other parts of Asia, is really an honor-shame culture. And if you do not continue the ancestor worship, then you bring shame and dishonor to your family. And so I have had students acknowledge who Jesus is. And that, yes, I believe he's the son of God. I believe I'm a sinner. I believe everything in the Bible. I believe it's true, but I can't follow Jesus. Why? Because if I follow Jesus, I can't do the ancestor worship. If I don't do the ancestor worship, I bring shame and dishonor to my family. You understand the consequences, the significance of that. And I've had students tell me, I will choose to spend eternity in hell with my family rather than to bring my family shame and dishonor mm. today. Wow. So that, that, that burning bond is so strong that those who are, are really close to salvation will walk away because of the fear of bringing dishonor and shame to the family. So that concept, the idea of face, you never do anything that causes someone else to lose face. Yes. That is such a, a, a control factor in the culture. Uh, it impacts the churches in decisions they make. It impacts families. It impacts students. They will go to a university and they will major in something that they do not like and they do not do well because that brings honor to the family. Mm. So it just encompasses all parts of life. Well, the Hakka are even <clears throat> more focused on the ancestor worship and the bringing the family honor. So it takes a long time. It's, it's, <clears throat> it's a big challenge. Uh, so the work in Taiwan is slower. Uh, if you go to China, where people responded to the gospel, uh, over the last 50 years, very quickly, but you have to remember that there was a blanket void. Those things, uh, during the last 50 years, in Taiwan, the traditions and the family orientation of ancestor worship, those things have remained or grown stronger. So the spiritual challenges in Taiwan are great. The spiritual challenges with the Hakka are great. So about five years ago, God began putting on my heart. Uh, I want you to start working with the Hakka. We no longer have uh, missionaries focusing on the Hakka. And uh, although there are Hakka Christians in our churches, very few of the churches will reach out into the Hakka in their community because it's hard, uh, it, it's, it's the response is slow. And so they are, uh, they will go like other people. Uh, they will go to the people that are more likely to respond quickly. Uh, so they leave the pockets of the Hakka <coughs> unreached. And that's, so and that's four and a uh, half million Hakka. Mm -hmm. And out of those four and a half million, 
five out of every thousand are believers. Wow. So to reach the Hockett, it's really going to involve every church. And the work that we've been doing with the Hakka recently, about the last four years or so, has been international. So it's everybody getting on board and reaching the Hakka in the community. So what I'm trying to do is encourage every church to see, to identify the Hakka in their church and in their community and begin ministering just in that community to the Hakka. Uh, <clears throat> challenges. Uh, well, I think I've described the challenges. Yeah. What are, what are some of the, you know, what are some of the joys, some of the stories and joys of things that you've um, seen God doing as you've joined Jesus in his mission there? When, one of the joys, and it's always a, a surprise, is uh, having worked at the sports university since 1997 and that has been a very slow work uh it does the students are uh they're they're not your top elite students but they may be elite athletes uh but they have been slow to respond to the gospel and so maybe uh i started the very first time i went there it was with a bible study and that has continued uh, the Bible study is the focus, not uh, having an English corner or something. And so every year there's one, maybe two students that come to faith. Uh, usually it's their, the end of their junior or their senior year. And so then they come to faith and then they're gone. So the mm. opportunity for discipleship is very short. So try to do discipleship while we're doing evangelism, because I know that opportunity is not going to be uh, very long. And so the result is, is maybe one year I'll have five students kind of study. Maybe one school year, I'll only have two. Maybe one school year, I'll have 10. But every school year, it's like starting over. You start wow. over from scratch because their schedules, if they're athletes or if they're gone a lot. And so there's a lot of inconsistency. But one of the joys has been that I will run into a former student and they will recognize me and they will call out to me and they will begin to explain that maybe two years after they graduated, they became a Christian. Uh, or sometimes five years later. And I may not run into them until five or 10 years after they have left the school. So I don't know what has been going on in their lives until we meet at the, at the rail or at the bus station or out on the street or maybe they come back to the campus to visit and they see me. And then they will come and they will tell me, well, I, I became a Christian after I left the school. Or I begin to remember I became a Christian right at the end of my senior year and then I was gone. And I haven't seen you, but I want you to know that I became a Christian. Uh, that my wife, my husband is a Christian. Uh, that as a teacher, I'm a Christian and I use things that you did 
when you talked about Christmas and Easter, sharing the gospel, I do that with my students. And I have been able to minister to the families of my students. And so I don't, I have not seen immediate response, but then I've, God has given me the opportunity to see long-term response, but yes. I don't know it's for five or 10 years. So God is encouraging me that that ministry has been important and it has been effective, even though at the time it seems like, man, another school year and no new believers, uh, another school year and only one believer, uh, that God has been working in the lives of those students uh, during and after they left the campus. And this is true on other campuses that are smaller campuses. They would be sort of like uh, community colleges or small universities. And so the response there is smaller and slower than in large universities. But God has been working through those Bible studies on these various campuses. Uh, and I have not known the result. And I'm confident that there will be students that will be heaven that I thought were lost. Uh, but the work we did on that campus, uh, God used that to bring them into community into his kingdom. Uh, some of them have impacted their families uh, so that their family members have become followers. One of the exciting things over the years is that when I first got to town, a lot of times someone would be uh, the first Christian. And if you ask them, they would say, oh, I'm the only Christian in my family. And it was, it was really a, a, a sad statement because it was like, I'm grateful I'm a believer, but it's mm -hmm. only me. And about 10, 12, maybe 15 years ago, you began to see a different response where they began to say, I'm the first. Amen. That wow. is very significant. Yes. Because well, now they're looking at hope. Mm -hmm. I'm the first, but I have a desire that my other family members will also come to know and that's a different mindset. And I think that that has impacted Taiwan, where we're seeing the new believers with a different mindset from before. Mm. Uh, and so that that also brings great joy when you hear those little statements and they don't think those are significant, but those are dynamic statements uh, that say something about the future of Taiwan and uh, the work of the church. Uh, so that's one of the, the big joys that I have. Uh, seeing, uh, uh, <clears throat> particularly with the Hakka, when the elder family members come to faith, uh, and they're really the family leaders. And in a Chinese culture, that means they have yeah. authority. So if a young person becomes a Christian, then that's going to put them in uh, traditional conflict with their family. Uh, when an older person becomes a Christian, particularly Hakka, that's important. 
And when they come and they say, we are doing a house cleaning, what that means is we're going and removing the ancestor worship altars, all mm. of the Buddhist stuff, everything is related to temple worship, Buddhist worship, ancestor worship. We're getting rid of it. We're removing it. We're destroying it. And we're going to have a celebration worship in a home that is significant. Amen. Uh, because that is removing that daily presence of offering sacrifices, praying to the ancestors. And so when they do that, that is an exciting time. But then when they come and they say, and sometimes it's before they're baptized, sometimes it's after, but they come and they say, for my family, we no longer do ancestor worship. When I mm. die, you do not do the ancestor worship ceremony. No longer. If you choose to continue to be a Buddhist, that is your choice. But it is no longer in this family. If you choose to follow Jesus like I have done, you are free to do that. And what that does is it releases the entire family and all of those descendants from the bondage of ancestor worship and gives them a freedom to follow Jesus without conflict in the family. Uh, so when we see that, that is a huge time of celebration. Uh, that's not just an individual in a family or a few that is victory for the in, that entire family and all of the coming descendants. So those are some of the times of joy. Yeah. Miss um, Glenda? Yes. There, there are going to be folks uh, who are going to watch this, and they're, they're probably looking for some type of encouragement mm -hmm. Um, because they're wanting to live their lives on mission with Jesus in a in a daily lifestyle, and and I'm hearing that your perseverance and God's faithfulness might be a very strong beginning point for you to share words of encouragement to those who are watching, who are struggling with being on mission every day with Jesus. Uh -huh. You could speak to that for us. Well, say. Every day, ask God for an opportunity. Mm -hmm. Every day, ask God to help you recognize the opportunity. One of the biggest frustrations is God give me an opportunity to share the gospel. And then the opportunity comes. And five minutes later, I think, oh, I missed that opportunity. <laughs> Been there. And that person is gone. And I may never have opportunity with that person again. Yeah. Ask God for an opportunity every day. Ask God for you to recognize that opportunity. Ask God to give you courage to open your mouth and speak yeah. and to touch their heart. They have mm -hmm. an open heart to hear the gospel. If you're not sure how to share the gospel, there are a lot of ways. I do not use tracks. I'm, I'm not a track person. I tell a story. Amen. It's the story of Jesus. Learn to tell the story of Jesus. Amen. In an unassuming, 
way that's very interactive and it's not confrontational. Even in America, people like to hear stories. That's right. Uh, one of the questions I'll ask, I'm talking to a complete stranger and the, the, the conversation sort of has a, a maybe opening. <clears throat> I don't ask them if they're a Christian. I don't ask them if they've been to church. I don't ask them if they've read the Bible. The probability is no, no, no. I will ask them, have you ever heard Jesus' story? It's not the story about Jesus. It's have you ever heard Jesus' story? May I take five minutes to share with you Jesus' story? And I like that. I like that. It provides opportunity. It's, it's not confrontational. So learn ways to share Jesus' story in a way that's interactive, in a way that it's not prayer, sign your name. Uh, we're not looking for marks of to-do on the to-do list. We're looking for lives to be changed. Yes. There was, I was at McDonald's, the lid of my cup fell on the floor uh, the mother and her daughter picked it up. They took it to the bathroom. They rinsed it off. When I came back to my seat, they, they told me what they had done. Initiated the conversation. I told them Jesus' story. At the end, I said, which one are you? Are you the one that follows the world or do you do what you want to do? Or are you following Jesus? There's only two choices. You follow Jesus or you don't. And the mother said, I want this one. And of course, when they respond that fast, I always kind of go, huh? My question. And so I asked the question, she says, no, I want this one. I want to be the one following Jesus. How do I do that? Amen. Now, admittedly, that does not happen a lot of times in Taiwan, but when it does, Again, a celebration. So by the end of that time, she and her daughter had accepted Christ. We are still in occasional touch by phone. So I stay in contact with them. They've not gotten involved in a local church yet, but I'm working on that. Uh, and so, so God just presented an opportunity. It was the question, have you ever heard Jesus' story? Yeah. So I would encourage people, look for those opportunities. Learn to tell Jesus' story. Listen when God is speaking to your heart. And don't keep putting it off. Um, I committed myself to missions when I was eight, but I was 31 when I got to the field. That's not men's timetable. That's God's timetable. That's yeah. right. Exactly. All of those experiences to prepare me for a variety of responsibilities that I would have in Taiwan, that I gained skills during all of that time period that lapsed. When God gives you a peace, listen to the peace. Mm -hmm. I learned to listen to the peace from mom and dad. Mm. Oh, I have peace about that. When people ask, how do you know this is God's will? Oh, he gives you a peace. What do you mean peace? Well, 
place in your heart that's not related to circumstances, when you have that peace, you know it. Yeah. Amen. So ask God to confirm those things with peace. Be obedient. It's not hard. It's just a choice. And be obedient to look for those opportunities. Uh, every opportunity, every experience you have through church can be preparing you for a special ministry. But it can also be the ministry. So yes. when you have opportunities mm. through church uh, for Vacation Bible School, it is an opportunity to reach and think family more than individual. Mm -hmm. the, the One of the greatest things is, is like in scripture, uh, that Jesus is the Lord, of, he is my Lord and the Lord of this house. Uh, when families come to faith, uh, that it will strengthen the church. Yes. But when it's a family rather than an individual growth, spiritual growth of those individuals is greater. They will encourage each other and God Amen. will use that family to impact an entire clan, an entire community. Yeah. Uh, for God for those opportunities and then look for them. <laughs> so Amen. you don't miss them. You don't want to go, oh, wait, that was an opportunity five minutes ago. Where did that person go? Amen. So look for those opportunities and and really learn to tell Jesus. That's the most important thing we can do is tell Jesus' story. Amen. I hear when you say that, look for the opportunity. It, it's not just if it hits you in the face, but be expecting that God's going to give the opportunity be expecting exactly. and looking for yes. it so that you don't miss it. Exactly. Amen. That's right. It, it was my coffee cup lid that fell down, but they yes. initiated the conversation. But it was about a dirty, a dirty lid of a coffee cup. Yeah, that's great. That led to the opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Amen. Well, Glenda, we thank you, um, man. Thank you for taking the time to share the stories. And um, man, I just resonate with the story because that's one of the things we are constantly teaching people is how to share the story. And because people do love stories, they love to hear stories and they love to hear um, your story about your journeys. And so, yeah, storytelling is the best way to share the gospel. But I want you to know that we're praying for you as you serve. Um, in Taiwan, I love getting your, your monthly updates and finding all the ways how we can pray for you and know that you are lifted up in prayer. But thank you so much for the time today to be our well, thank guest. Thank you for the opportunity. Well, you are I more than blessed. Have a great meeting in Dallas. Well, thank, thank you. you. It's good thank being you. with you tonight. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. It's, she says more in 20 minutes than, than a lot of people say in 20 years. She is so, it's so amazing. And in and, and this, I mean, you can see the smile on her whole person as yes. she, as she shares what God's doing. When you get to the joys and the struggles, she sees the struggles as, 
as as cheerful as any as anyone I've ever seen because she sees God in the struggle at work. Amen. It, it's just amazing. You see, and and she's working with a group of people that everybody else left. Yes. She tells us we must see and identify the unreached, those that are on the margins that no one is engaging. Mm-hmm. And no and, and she explained to us that that the haka is so hard to 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 open the door to relationship, to open the door. They're they're receptive to the gospel, but in the same time, they're they're bound so much in their in their family traditions that are hundreds, thousands of years old. And that so everybody else kind of walked away because they they were so hard. What she tell us? There's one in ten of other lost people, and there's five in a thousand. Yes, Honka. I mean, you know, think, think about that, and how how hard it is. But she's she's making a difference on the margins of life for these people. And that's such a great principle because every day, even in the Western culture, we're surrounded by people on the margins that that feel that no one notices. Yeah, and it's important as as, as believers, as followers who are joining Jesus, that we go out into our world and we say, God, yeah. open our eyes to the people on the margin. Um, open our eyes to those people that feel unnoticed and unloved. And therefore, because of that, they're unreached. Even, yeah. even, yeah. even our culture, we have people all around us who are unreached that nobody talks to because we just don't notice them. And I thought, man, that is so, so critical. What a great, great principle. Um, but also love what you talked about. We never know how God's going to use those seeds um, mm-hmm. plant. So you just keep planting the seeds of the gospel with this, with this sense of expectancy, this belief that God is going to do something with the seeds. Uh, because she talks about the real decisions of following Jesus may not show up till, till years later. So you just got to trust God that God's going to do what God says he will do. Um, I was thinking immediately of Isaiah 55. And just so I don't misquote it, I'm going to read it. Um, but immediately I thought of this passage that is so familiar where, where um, you know, Isaiah writes these great words. Um, verse 10 and 11 is the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth that will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Yeah. And she talks about sometimes two, three, four, five years later, she'll, she'll, she'll run into one of her former students who will come to her and say, I want to let you know that I accepted Jesus a year after our conversation. Um, and, 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 and our, you know, two years after our conversation, um, and, and she's just reminded that you just keep planting the seeds, trusting Isaiah 55, basically that God's going to do what he says he'll do. And, and so when you get discouraged and you've got that person you've been talking to about Jesus for 10 years and they still hadn't said, yes, you just keep loving them, praying for them. And as God opens the door, you plant the seeds and, and I just, Michael, I just believe, you know, when we get to heaven, I think some of the people that God's going to allow us to meet 
There's going to be people that we prayed with and prayed for and shared the gospel with. And we died thinking, man, I'm, they never came. We're yeah. going to get to heaven and they're going to come up and say, thank you. <laughs> you know, thank you for sharing with me over coffee, um, yeah. at, you know, at Huddle House. And you, you never knew this, but six months later, I said yes to Jesus. And, and that's yeah. because you took the time to share. So you just never know. Trust God. Keep planning. And, and then she took us all to school. <laughs> yes. Oh, this is a great school, though. How, so, how, how do you share the how do you share the the encouragement to someone? What? Do, how do you encourage people who are trying to live out? That was our question. And, and then she beat us up in love. Yeah. First, seek God every day. Ask God for opportunities. Then look for those opportunities. Ask him to give you eyes to recognize the opportunities. Courage to open your mouth and speak. And speak, Lord, to open hearts that will hear the gospel. I mean, it was like boom, 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 boom. Oh, okay, here's here's a five, here's here's five points. How do I join Jesus in his mission? Here they, well, here you go. Follow these five points every day, and you will be joining Jesus in his mission. Nobody's ever said it as concise, yeah. as straightforward. As, and, and there's no assumption on her part that God won't do this. She's totally expecting. And she even talked about, because you don't want to go five minutes later. Oh, my gosh, there was an opportunity, and I let it get away. And then she talked about letting that happen. I mean, she's the most transparent person I've ever heard share in my life. And, uh, and there she was. And then, <laughs> and then she took a hammer to our toes and our fingers. We are not looking to complete a task. We are looking and expecting for God to change lives. Yes. We're not checking off the box. Yes. Even in our best days, sometimes we get into the check the box mode. I need, I just got to get this done. If I, if I get it done, I'm being obedient. And she's going, obedience is not checking the box. Obedience is throwing the box away and expecting for lives to be changed because God's going to use you and give you the opportunities and you're going to seek him for opportunities every day. Whew, man. I, I just, I just picture Glenda as this lady who goes out every day and her radar is up. Yes. She's working. She's looking oh, she's for opportunities. Hanging, she's hanging with sonar and radar. She's, she is. You know, she tells a story about the, the lid on her cup dropping yeah. on the floor and a, and a precious Hakka lady picks up the lid and goes clean, washes it and brings it back to her. And then they have this great conversation at the end of it. The lady wants Jesus. Yeah. I want to, which one? And I love, I, I, we, this should be here because what she said is make sure that you look for opportunities and then share oh, yeah. Jesus' share story. Share yeah. Jesus' story. Not, and then she told us, don't share the story about Jesus. That's share Jesus' story. You want to do something that's interactive, that's non-confrontational. You want to say, have you ever heard, will you let me share? take five minutes to share Jesus' story with you? She said, learn to tell Jesus' story. I thought it was so good. That was that, that I mean that was so so good. I mean I'm looking at my notes here 
and you know just all the things we can go go back and do a 30-minute program just on the takeaways oh yes you could you could um i mean there's so many things um but but the you know the statistics i want to go back to that because got to wrap my mind around that she says in taiwan there's 24 million people four percent christians but only three to four percent of evangelical what you would call evangelicals um and and she talked about you know um you know, that they're, um, you know, slow to respond, steep in tradition, um, into ancestor worship, folk religion, Buddhism, all mixed together, um, you know, and just, and, and that how, you know, it's just such, but, but she's learned. Then I just look for opportunities, build the relationships. She says, we, 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 we're not going to see a great fast harvest, um, but we're going to see people and come to Christ over time. And we're going to hear stories five years down the road because we just keep planting the seeds and people keep coming to Jesus. But it's on God's timetable. And we just have to go out there and trust God to change lives. And go reach families. Don't just no, reach individuals. There's a whole there's a there's a whole discussion in discipleship and evangelism in the church about reaching families. Because she talks yeah. about when you reach an individual, there's a struggle. When you reach a family, they encourage one another. They do things. They grow deeper in Christ. They grow. It's just, oh, like I said, we could, you could, <laughs> we could do a whole program without interviewing anybody. Just go back and say, let us share with you the other things we learned from Glenda Cook. That's right. Exactly. It's all we have to do, brother. It's all we have to do. But so, man, go, go so watch good. both of them. And watch them two or three times. Take good notes and listen to what God's telling us through this lady, because God's. And, and I want to encourage you. You know, we haven't, really haven't talked about this, Michael. But those of you that are watching and listening, this is a, this is a great these two parter. This is something to sit down and, and, and if you have a small group that meets oh, in God. your home, a Sunday school class on a Sunday morning, um, uh, you know, show this, get together. You probably want to do it like in a home because you have more time and you can talk and converse afterwards but um, a lot of these episodes that we do with guests are great um, videos to sit down and share with your um, small group and have a bible study around some of these topics i think back to the some of the ones we've done with gerard long and doug small and caesar kalinowski Um, it's just it's just really really amazing so so we're glad we're glad you joined us today for uh, another fire hydrant session (laughs) <laughs> um, as, as, um, Glenda just poured life and love and truth into our lives and share this with others. If you would, this is so important and we just encourage you every week. Um, please like this. I mean, if you're on Facebook, YouTube, like it, um, subscribe or, or follow us on social media, subscribe to the YouTube channel, the rooftop TV, share this. And please on Castbox, Apple, the other platforms, if whatever you're listening on, if you're able to leave a review and let people know, because that really gets the word out and pushes the podcast out to other people. And if you want to know more about the ministry of The Rooftop, just go to our website, therooftop.org, therooftop.org, and you'll find information about our upcoming North America Summit next year, um, where our um, pioneers serve around the world. You'll see videos. Um, you can learn much, much more about the ministry as we are making disciples who make disciples in um, not right now, close to 70 countries, literally over 70 countries. And our goal is to make a million disciples in 100 countries by the end of 2026. 
And we'll be talking more in the future about what does that mean? What is a disciple? Yeah. And, and what does that look like? And so go to our website. And um, as you're watching this, today is um, November 28th is when this is airing, which is Giving Tuesday. Um, and we want to encourage you to give a special gift to the rooftop. Um, we're wanting to raise $12,000 um, today on Giving Tuesday. And then by the end of the year, 25000 total as we're preparing for an amazing, amazing um, year in the rooftop North America as God's opened up some amazing doors. So you can scan this QR code. It will take you immediately to our giving link and it will take you to a link that 100% of what you give goes to us. There's no fees. So whatever you give, 100% comes to the ministry. And so we appreciate you praying about that as well. So thank you for taking time today to be with us on Rooftop Perspectives as we enter this um, amazing season of um, past Thanksgiving into Christmas. Um, I've already got my tree up and ready, ready to celebrate the birth of the King. So um, I hope you have an incredible Christmas season. We'll be doing some special conversations over the month of December about um Christmas and how to join Jesus in his mission in the holidays and things of that nature. So um, stay tuned and we'll see you next week on Rooftop Perspectives. God bless.